0: the Girl Crush Podcast. Some theme music. We'll be your Sandra Bullock source. I love the range of movies that she's in. Her eyebrows, they're amazing. She has very striking features. Fast male co-star. Quirky little personality. She's got real tears at multiple parts in this movie. Oh yeah. Key Sandra Bullock physical comedy. Powerful woman. I mean she's
1: the boss the whole movie. I'm just all in. Rom-com. Brilliant. Smart. Five out of five. Hello and welcome to the Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Anne. We have a girl crush on Sandra Bullock, so this season we're watching all of her movies and ranking them. If you want to give us your thoughts, be sure to connect with us on Instagram at girlcrush And as always, be sure to rate and review. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Infamous.
0: This movie was released in 2006, and Sandra Bullock plays a character named Nell. You can watch this on HBO Max for free, or you can rent it on Amazon Prime. And in Infamous, this is based off of a true story, and Truman Capote, an eccentric writer, goes to a small Kansas town where a brutal murder has taken place to research for his book. This is where you can pause and go watch it, otherwise here's your spoiler alert. I would say it's not a must watch. But no, it's I agree. Fine. Yeah. So, you know,
1: choose your own adventure on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, jumping right into the plot here, as a reminder, we rate plot out of 10 points, and we rated the plot of Infamous a six out of 10. So, we're introduced to the character, Truman Capote. He's in a lavish New York apartment. He calls someone who he refers to as Big Mama, asking her to meet him for lunch and to bring gossip. So, right away, you get a sense of his personality. He's very boisterous, he's eccentric. Yeah, and he's a pretty well-known actor, played by Toby Jones, who I think as soon as
0: you see him, you're like, I know him from something. Yes. But he was also, I didn't know this, you put this in here, he voices Dobby in Harry Potter.
1: Yes, and his voice is like a plot point in this movie, so when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's so interesting, like the voice acting there. I have to pause, because Allie got her haircut right before this, and it looks amazing.
0: Thank you, thank you so much. It looks really good. Yeah, it looks nice. I'm
1: getting used you went to shorter the, on the bangs? I did, and the length, too. Wow. That's going to be great for a Sunday Style Spotlight. Bang. I know. It's going to be a lot of versatility with us. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I did it.
0: The Ooh, commitment I is do- real.
1: It. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank you. You're welcome. So part of this movie is almost like a documentary. Like there's these cutaways where the characters are being interviewed and they never really explain what that's for, but you get to hear a little bit of backstory that way. And we learn more about Truman and this is where his voice comes in. They comment on his odd voice. It's kind of like higher pitched and he seems to be a socialite. And we also learn that he's gay, which is a plot point that comes into play later as well. Truman sees an article about a farm family in Kansas who were murdered the night before, and he wants to write an article about how a murder like that would affect a small town and the trust of the people in that town. Enter Nell, played by Sandra Bullock, with the most mom haircut I've ever seen. Truth. (laughs) I don't know how we're going to do a Sunday-style spotlight on that one. Me either. (laughs) I hope it's not me. (laughs) Ha ha! I, You know, I could just go get my hair cut again. Just chop it off. Yeah, there you go. She just goes shorter and shorter for the pod. <laughs> so Nell is having lunch with Truman, and he meets with a lot of different women and gossips about this murder. And we find out that Nell grew up with Truman in Alabama. She is actually Nell Harper Lee, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. So, again, mm-hmm. this is a true story. Harper Lee and Truman Capote were Friends in real life. And she talks about their growing up together in this sort of, like, interview that they keep cutting away, to. hmm Truman asks Nell to come with him to Kansas to investigate this murder, and she agrees because she's always been interested in crime. And they note that Nell is one of Truman's only, like, non-society friends. Everybody else he talks to is, like, they're also socialites as well. Yeah. So they go to this small town. They take the train there, and there's a bunch of journalists who are all asking questions to the D.A., Played by Jeff Daniels. Random casting. Right. So random. There's so many big names in this. And these journalists are all asking questions about the murders. And Truman interrupts and introduces himself as a writer from The New Yorker magazine. And all the other journalists make fun of him because of his voice. And they call him a woman. Nell warns him, like, hey, we're in this small town. You need to be a little bit more discreet here. And they start to try to ask townspeople about the murders, but no one really seems keen to talk to them or about the murders with them or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Truman is trying to get more information, but the DA won't let him near the murder scene. So Truman calls in a favor to some of his, you know, high-rolling friends and is able to see the home where the murders took place. And the house is, like, very eerie. He notices the phone wire has been cut. He walks through the house. And pretty much it has been, like, untouched since the crime. And the basement steps even still have bloody footprints on them. Nope. No, thank you. But also I love it.
0: Would you – so you're a true crime fan. Would you ever go, like, walk
1: through a murder house? Fresh? A fresh murder house? Um – I, that's a weird question. I've never thought about that. I don't think I would actually (laughs) want to be there. (laughs) I would just want to watch the documentary on it. I feel like it would be a little too real maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would be very intrigued by it. Like in another life, I would love to be like a forensic scientist or like a crime scene investigator. I think you'd be so great at that. Thank you. But in my current life, I don't think I'm mentally prepared (laughs) to walk through a murder house.
0: (laughs) That's fair. (laughs)
1: So as they're going around the town, the DA's wife sees Truman at the grocery store and asks him and Nell, who she mistakenly refers to as Mrs. Capote, to come over for Christmas dinner because Nell and Truman have decided they're staying there over the holiday to continue researching for the book. So this takes place in, like, the early 60s, and this conversation takes place
0: in front of this giant pyramid of Velveeta cheese, which... (laughs) I don't know why that's so funny and memorable to me, but it's kind of hysterical for some reason. It is. Do you like Velveeta? Only, uh, listen, anyone
1: who tells you that they don't like Velveeta is a liar. <laughs> Honestly, I love it. Velveeta, Rotel, toss it yes. in a crock pot or in the microwave yes. and dip some tortilla chips in it. It was like the treat of my childhood. Like, do I care that it's 90% plastic? No. <laughs> Do not care. Don't care. Also, Velveeta is my quick mac and cheese go-to brand. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's just something about it. It It's very nostalgic. It's a brand
0: that has survived and thrived, one might say. They're seriously thriving. They are. Yeah. I love Velveeta. It's delicious.
1: So they go over for this dinner, and Truman and the DA, Dewey, and this other man are kind of sitting in awkward silence in the living room at first until Truman starts telling stories. He starts name-dropping, and the guys in the room become totally hooked, and Truman's just, like, life of the party telling all these stories, and by the time they leave... Everyone seems like really good friends. Mm -hmm. And news starts to travel around the town about Nell and Truman and presumably all the famous people that Truman knows. And dinner invitations just start pouring in. (laughs) And as they become more acquainted with people in town, they start to get more details about the family who was murdered who seemed to be beloved in the town. And one thing that they find out is that the mother, Bonnie, was a little bit off and didn't want to see people lately. And one friend says it was just menopause, but Truman says that would be a little boring for his novel. So get a little bit of insight into how he likes to write and, like, things that he might pick and choose to put into his book. Nell is surprised because she thought they were just coming here for an article, but he reveals he thinks it's more than that. He thinks it could be a book. Mm-hmm. And she says that the truth is enough and he shouldn't be adding fiction to this true event. And they kind of argue a little bit about the integrity behind reporting, which, by the way, is part of what happened in real life. And some of Capote's works have been criticized for that reason. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, eventually, the murderers are captured, and Truman visits the jail to talk to the murderers. Side note, he's, like, he he has such a big personality. He's, like, walking through the prison, and these prisoners are saying offensive things to him as he walks by, and he just, like, quips back at them. Like, no Mm -hmm. issue. Takes everything in stride. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of, like, a funny part of the movie. And Truman offers the murderers royalties in exchange for letting him write about them. And he slowly starts to get details from each murderer. And he's becoming kind of close to these guys as well. He's, like, hanging out in their cells with them (laughs) and just, like, connecting with them. But at one point, one of them gets mad and says that he's not just a character. And Truman tells him, basically, like, you can either be involved in this and frame it the way you want to, or I'm just going to do it without you. As they start to connect, Truman seems kind of enamored with one of the murderers, Perry. By the way, played by Daniel Craig. (laughs)
0: I just saw this. I had no idea that was Daniel Craig. Are you kidding me? Yes, I had no clue. James Bond himself.
1: Wow. I know. Now I want to go back and watch it and watch it again. I know this cast is like so odd. Very interesting. Yeah. Totally. I had no idea. Well, I'm shocked. So after staying in this small Kansas town for a long time for research, Nell and Truman leave. But Truman is still communicating with the murderers who, by the way, we named Perry. The other one's name is Dick. And he's trying to get them to like him all the way from New York so he can continue getting information from them. So he's like sending them dirty magazines. And Perry writes back pretty eloquently that he'd rather fill his time with beauty and good stories. So Truman decides to send Perry his own books. And Perry writes back that he ultimately didn't like the books because the writing lacked kindness, which I have to say is kind of ironic coming from someone accused of four murders. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Truman goes to visit Perry again to confront him after this, saying that his book was a work of art. And Perry said he felt like Truman was sneering at the characters, and so he becomes reluctant to let Truman write his story because he doesn't want to be portrayed that way. Mm-hmm. So Truman takes this time to confide in him about his own personal tragedy to try and make a connection with Perry, and finally Perry seems to get back on board. But the next day, Perry goes back on what he shared with Truman, and he decides he doesn't want other people to read about him or his life. So he's, they're really, like, flip-flopping back and forth here. Truman's trying a lot to get this guy on board. Mm-hmm. And Perry, at this point, then tells Truman about his childhood. And we learn his mom was an alcoholic and his father was abusive and then out of the picture. And Perry tells him a lot of sad details, but he tells Truman he doesn't want to look like a crybaby. But Truman reassures him that people seeing this side of him will make the public understand that he's someone who has suffered and give him, like, a backstory, essentially. hmm And Truman tells Perry he respects him, which really seems to touch him. However, when Truman arrives to Perry's cell the next day, Perry grabs him and, like, gags him. Super upset because one of the guards told him that Truman's book, which Truman said would be sympathetic, is actually called In Cold Blood.
0: Not the most sympathetic. Right, exactly.
1: So Perry almost assaults him, but stops and says... I'm not going to, but look, that's how your title made me feel. And he makes Truman look in the mirror when he's, like, shocked and afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So Truman leaves kind of suddenly. He's a little bit shaken, but he comes back later and tells Perry that in cold blood has a double meaning. It's a condemnation for the prosecutors wanting to kill him and because of the crime that he and Dick committed. So he tries to kind of smooth things over. Because the prosecution is seeking death penalty for both of them. Yes. Right. Yes. Thank you for saying that. So Perry eventually gets on board again, and he opens up to Truman about the murdered family. And originally, they had wanted to break in and steal the safe that they thought was there. But they went in, found out that there was no safe with money in it, and he said that he had wanted to leave, but Dick wouldn't allow it because the family had already seen their faces. And Dick egged Perry on so much that Perry snapped and killed the son and father and then made Dick kill the mother and daughter. Ugh. So awful. So next, Truman and Nell meet, and she asks how the book is coming, and he says that it will end better if the jury decides on the death penalty.
0: Oh my god, because it'll be like a
1: more dramatic ending. Yeah, and he just says this so casually after spending all this time making a connection with these guys, so you just really start to wonder, like, if any of their connection is even authentic. And I think we have to say, right, like, Truman is very drawn to
0: or even attracted to Perry, and so yes. he's kind of having, right, like these conflicted feelings about Perry as well, where he's right. like, yeah. he's like totally enamored by him. He totally is, yeah. And so it's a very interesting, I don't know, it's very interesting, like their conversations and and the way he handles himself around Perry, and then the way that he acts whenever he's talking to his
1: socialite friends or something about the book or about the case, because it's yes. kind of stark differences. Yeah, and it's hard to tell which one is really him. Right. So the time for the trial comes. The jury declares both the guys guilty, and their sentence is to be hanged to death. And Perry says that death is fair. He's like, death is not punishment, and neither is jail. He says punishment is looking for someone your whole life and then finding them and not having them. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. bomb dropped, he's in love with Truman. They confess feelings for each other, and they kiss. Wow. 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 But at this point, our notes are like, wait, is Truman lying? Is this just for the book? Like, what are his intentions here? Or is he truly experiencing those conflicting feelings? I think he is.
0: I do think he is experiencing conflicting feelings, but also the way his character is, he's so there for the drama of everything, right? Like, he wants everything to be more dramatic. And so putting himself in that vulnerable position in a way... Kind of subjects him and makes him the center of that drama, which right. I don't think to him is the worst case scenario either, right? Yeah, that's probably
1: true. Can't tell though, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so the interview montages come back, talking about Truman just completely throwing himself into this book after the verdict, trying to finish it. And the trial was done by 63, but needed an ending, and various appeals took five years. And Truman seems torn in, like, wanting to publish his book, but knowing that once he publishes it, that means that Perry will be dead, because he's essentially waiting for that to happen before he finishes the book. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Perry and Dick are both allowed one person at the hanging, and they've both chosen Truman.
0: I don't know if I want to include this or not, because I don't know how much we want to talk about the death penalty, but (laughs) hanging seems like a French
1: Revolution-style execution. It really does. And looked this up. The last hanging in the United States was 1996. That's crazy. Isn't that insane? It seems wrong. I know. It's crazy. Mm. That's all we'll say about that. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. (laughs) Also, kind of crazy to me that both of these guys have chosen Truman to be the one in their hanging with them. Like, in one way, it's sad because it's like, do they really have no other family or loved ones that they would want there? Or maybe they are trying to save their loved ones from that. I don't know. But... At the end of the day, like, Truman's an author, you know? Mm-hmm. I get Perry choosing him, but right.
0: Dick's not, like, a huge part of the story, so... Yeah, that seems odd. Like, they
1: didn't seem that close, so yeah, it does seem kind yeah, of totally odd he true. chose him as well. I guess Perry makes sense if they confess their feelings for each other. So Truman asks Nell to come with him, but she says she can't. And she asks if Truman and Perry are involved, but Truman doesn't really answer her. And Nell still won't go with him. And Truman is, like, very reluctant to go. He really doesn't want to be there. But when he gets there, he tells Perry that he should apologize when they ask if he has any last words in order to bring some humanity back to himself. They then have to say their goodbyes, and Perry says adios, amigo, and kisses Truman on the cheek. But something interesting here, in a flash-forward conversation, a friend asks Truman if Perry said anything to him at that moment, and he lies and says, He said he loved me, and he always had. Oh, Truman. Seriously. So, time for the hanging, and Dick is hung first, and for over 15 minutes after the hanging, the doctor is still hearing a pulse. That's horrifying. Horrifying. Again, why this method seems so archaic. It's insane. It does. Yeah, it seems cruel. Yeah. And they all just, like, stand there, keep checking, and, like, waiting for him to die. It's honestly really hard to watch. It is. And then it comes to be Perry's turn, and when asked if he has anything to say, we don't hear his answer. We just hear a voiceover of a song Perry recorded for Truman. But we see another flash-forward conversation, and Truman says that Perry did apologize. But the DA, Dewey, says that Perry didn't say anything. So again, Truman's kind of changing the story for what he wants his book to say. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the movie, we hear that Truman's book was a huge success. He became incredibly rich, and Nell says that Truman has never been the same. And we learn that he never really wrote again. Perry left everything to Truman, including a guitar and his own artwork. And the movie ends with Truman asking a friend to go to lunch, though in a much less boisterous way than at the beginning. And we see that he seems to clearly have lost a part of himself. Mm -hmm. So that's how the movie ends. I would say it's a pretty depressing movie, and it's also pretty boring, which I think is why we didn't rate it higher than we did.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's so much opportunity to make this
1: movie more exciting, and it just, yeah, it was kind of slow. Right. It felt like it could have been 30 minutes shorter and still gotten everything across. Yep, agreed. Like we were making notes during it saying, we're bored. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of shocking,
0: considering how many big names are in this. Yes, and some we haven't even mentioned yet.
1: Yeah, like Sigourney Weaver, Gwyneth Paltrow, who sings a song, by the way. What does she sing? She's the singer in the very opening scene, which I didn't <gasps> mention because it was irrelevant to the plot. But
0: oh, yes, yeah. And then we already mentioned Jeff Daniels, Daniel Craig. I mean, like, there's a lot of famous people in this, and it just mm-hmm. it needed more.
1: Yeah, it's like it had so much potential. And it was so interesting that, like, Harper Lee is included in this. hmm But I feel like they – I don't know. Maybe they were just trying to stick with the history and not tell too many stories. But I feel like there was just some lost opportunity there.
0: I know. I always feel bad saying that true stories
1: are boring, but <laughs> they could be told in a more compelling way. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And something kind of interesting, I was reading up about this and Harper Lee and Capote's relationship kind of ended, like their friendship kind of ended because Harper Lee became so successful and she had so much fame that he got really jealous. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. No. Yeah, exactly. From the way they portrayed her personality. She has a quote saying something like, the biggest mistake I made in our friendship was becoming a successful novelist (laughs) well that's a bummer yep (laughs) so yeah pretty depressing but it's an interesting story it is an interesting
0: story and it's i mean if you like true crime this is again you know similar to the vanishing this is an opportunity to kind of see inside the head of someone who would do something so terrible yeah in a way which you know some people find that fascinating so if you like that then you might like this one I think if we had to put this in context of Jennifer Aniston movies, it's like the thin pink line meets she's funny that way. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's the movie mashups I would choose. I love it. Yeah, I feel like our negatives were all just like kind of slow. Yeah. And depressing. Right. So for Sandra's character of Nell, Harper Lee, we gave her a 5.25 out of 10. There's just not a lot of – there's, like, not a lot to say about her. Like, – We're not reading Harper Lee in real life, okay? Right, right. <laughs> like, obviously, she's portraying a very famous person, but the character itself is so even-keeled. I mean, whenever she's with him in Kansas, it seems like she's there to be this sounding board of reason. Yeah. And that's all you see from her, and you don't get to actually
1: learn a lot about her. Right, exactly. I think the only reason we really, like, push it over to the positive side – or I'm going to say – I don't know. The top half of the rating system is because she does have integrity as an author and a writer. Like she's the one pushing him to tell the truth and to not add these flourishes to mm-hmm. what should be a true story. Mhm. And I do appreciate
0: that in Truman's life and his circle of friends, she seems to be the most authentic person who is not a gossip. I mean, right. at that point she's not super famous, but even then she wasn't like so caught up in her fame that that's all she thought about,
1: you know. Yeah, exactly. I think it's because they grew up together, because it almost seems like if they had met later in life, there's no way they would be friends, but they sort Mm -hmm. of have this connection because they grew up together. Right. So yeah. Overall, though, just kind of, I don't know, kind of a boring character. Yeah. So for Sandra Bullock's acting, we rated it a 6.5 out of 10. She does use like a deep Southern accent in this. Mm -hmm. And there are some subtle things in her interview that are really good because it's like a monologue. And so she uses these subtle pauses and a certain inflection that does, I think, portray what she's saying really well. It made me think I would
0: really love to listen to an audiobook narrated by Sandra Bullock. That sounds
1: incredible. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, it does. She should put that out for
0: sure. She should. I thought her acting was fine. I wasn't, like, super impressed by it. There's nothing bad that you can point out about it, but it's partially maybe because it's just kind of a boring character like we already said. Yeah. And the few points where she could have stretched a little bit more, it just like wasn't really there.
1: I agree. And I wonder if it's, like you said about her being sort of a balance to Truman's eccentric character. I wonder if she was trying to, like, tamper down her emotion. But sometimes mm-hmm. it just felt like she was reading off of a script or something instead of actually putting emotion into it. Yeah. There were just some moments that felt a little flat. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah.
0: For Boss Babe score, we gave her one out of two. There's just, mm, there's nothing really Boss Babe here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Also, didn't know another place to say this, but I feel like might as well say it now because it's relevant. (laughs) Her haircut looks like every one of my friend's mom's haircuts, like, from 2006. (laughs) And she wears
0: so many turtlenecks in this movie, we should have tallied it because it would have been double digits for sure. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot. Uh. So for Would You Watch Again, we rate this out of five points, and typically we rate it a one if we both say we would not watch it again, and a five if we both say we would watch it again. And we rated this one a one out of five, meaning we both said, no thank you. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, but it was just so slow. Yeah, honestly, I was more intrigued by, like, the research I was doing just Googling about them. And maybe I would be more interested in actually reading his book than watching this movie. Yeah, I would agree with that, unfortunately. (laughs) So to review for Infamous, we rated the plot a 6 out of 10. Sandra Bullock's character Nell Harper Lee a 5.25 out of 10. Sandra's acting a 6.5 out of 10. A Boss Babe score of a 1 out of 2, and a Would You Watch Again score a 1 out of 5, bringing the total to 19.75 points out of 37, meaning that Infamous is ranked number 35 just after the Lake House. Lake House just beat him out. Just barely. As always, thanks
0: for listening to the Girl Crush Podcast. Let us know your thoughts on today's movie. You can find us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod, on our website at girlcrushpodcast.com, or you can also email us at crush at gmail.com. Tune in next time when we'll be talking about while you were sleeping with a very special guest, Carrie Francis from the movie
1: Knives Out. So excited. Whoop, whoop, whoop. She loves Sandra Bullock. She loves this movie. So it's going to be super fun to have her on. Can't wait. Yeah, we're very excited. Awesome. Bye. Bye.